Alright everyone, welcome back to tonight's watch with Mark, Luke, and Tony. And as we mentioned last week, we will be reviewing The Phantom Menace. Of course, we will start with the synopsis, and since it was Tony's pick, he will give us his uh, synopsis, and we will go into our ratings, and then go into the deep dive conversation about the movie. So Tony, you want to take it away with the synopsis? All right, here's the synopsis of Star Wars, Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Ra's al Ghul and Jesus with a rat tail are on a mission to stop the Trade Federation's blockade on the planet Naboo. They find themselves in short negotiations and stranded on planet Naboo where they get the help of an evil and powerful Sith Lord under the disguise of an annoying and dumb Gungan named Jar Jar Binks. With his help, they get the Queen off of Naboo the Queen of Naboo off the planet and through the blockade until they have to land on a desert planet on the outer rim called Tatooine for repairs. Here they meet the real Jesus of the Star Wars universe, Anakin Skywalker, a child slave conceived by midichlorians and believed to be the chosen one. Through gambling and pod racing, Anakin wins his freedom, but fuck his mom, says George Lucas and Qui-Gon. The newly formed team arrives on Coruscant, where the Senate is unwilling to help Queen Amidala and the Jedi Council doesn't want to train Anakin. Qui-Gon says fuck it and will take Anakin as a Padawan anyways, and Padme says fuck it and takes the team back to Naboo to fight the Trade Federation with the help of the Gungeons. Add a Darth Maul and subtract a Qui-Gon Jinn from the equation and you get Obi-Wan having to train Anakin. Padme ends up duping Viceroy, the leader of the Trade Federation, for the win, and Senator Palpatine becomes Chancellor Palpatine. And that is the synopsis. That is the best synopsis of The Phantom Menace I've ever heard. Luke, you need to take notes. Do it like that next time. That was incredible. I know. <laughs> All right, you want to start right. off with the ratings, Tony? My rating is a 6 out of 10, not including the memes, and a 7 out of 10 if you understand them. I think the movie is more enjoyable than just okay. Add the memes and you get a 7 out of 10. Okay, I'll give my rating and then we'll go to Luke. I unironically gave it 3.4 Mises out of 10. I think it is a dreadful experience that makes you want to gouge your eyes out every scene of the movie. I as well gave it a solid 3 out of 10. I do not care for this movie one bit. I think it's awful. And I'll get into why. So 3 out of 10. <laughs> Tony, you gave it a pretty high rating. Yeah, I'm I liked this movie. Good. I liked this movie. Not right. just for the memes? Yeah, memes give it a 7. A full memes star. give it a 7. <laughs> gives it a full one more rating. <laughs> you want to start us off with the plot? Alright, so we start off with uh, Viceroy, you know, the leader of the Trade Federation, blockading the planet Naboo, and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan having to uh, be ambassadors to this. And I want to start off with one of my first cons that kind of leads to, like, a lot of problems throughout the entire movie, is the how the Nemodians talk and their voice acting, because it's very obviously ADR. What? What did you say? It is so bad. It's really bad. <laughs> it does not match up to the mouths moving at all. And I find this to happen a lot throughout the rest of the movie, even for the human characters. Is there? It's all voiced over and poorly stitched together. 
also in the title crawl, just the taxation of trade routes to outlying star systems is in dispute. It's just gross. Especially for a Star Wars movie. Yeah, I don't want to watch a Star Wars movie about tax and trade federations. Also, in the title crawl, it says, uh, alarmed, like, it says these are alarming chains of events. But when Qui-Gon is there with the Nemodians, he says it's weird for them to be so worried about something so trivial. But the reason they sent the Jedi Knights was because it was alarming. So then, why is he surprised? I think it's alarming to some people, but not to the Jedis. Maybe that was why. Yeah. I I don't know. I also had a problem with the... uh, I thought it was funny in the scroll that they said, the greedy trade federation, so we immediately knew they were evil. (laughs) That's how they described them, so we knew who the bad guys were. Alright, let's get moving on, right? So, the Nemodians try to kill Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan with some poison gas and that doesn't work because they just hold their breaths and uh they start getting attacked by droids and stuff and I wanted to bring up this scene is when they said send the droidicus to go get them and these two droidicus roll on through and they're like going to attack these guys and then they just move off screen in like a super fast and gross animation and they never do it again throughout the rest of the movie I described it as a jet dash away because they just booked it out of there and it, they never do it in any of the other scenes or prequels or any other movie. So I'm not sure why they even included it because they could use that ability way more than they actually do in the films. Qui-Gon could have used those abilities when he was fighting Darth Maul at the end. Yeah, he could have gotten past <laughs> the barriers using that. Correct. Yeah, I don't really understand what that was about. And bringing it back to Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor um, being cast as Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan, of course. I love the casting of Ewan McGregor, but I don't love it for Liam Neeson of Qui-Gon Jinn. What do you guys think about his acting in this movie? I thought he was fine. I actually thought he was good for what they gave him. Because they didn't give him anything. I agree, Luke. I agree. He's also... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, Like, if you've seen Schindler's List, he's an amazing actor, and you can kind of tell with this movie, Natalie Portman is amazing in all her other movies, except the prequels. Everybody's just gross in this movie. She was pretty young for this, though, wasn't she? Yeah. It's kind of crazy, because apparently they say she's had, like, the best child actor role ever in this movie called... Leon the prof- the professional she was like eight or something and her acting was supposed to be like really good so like she it was possible for her to be good in it and then but her lines are just like really bad so I blame George so my problem with Liam Neeson isn't his acting in this movie particularly it's the fact that I don't like Liam Neeson as an actor because he seems like he plays the same type of role and plays them all the same so even take, for example, Taken, something that he's super serious in, before the plot starts and he's talking normally, it's, he always seems like he's been playing the same character. So I don't get invested into Qui-Gon Jinn. I just see Liam Neeson. When Ewan McGregor, I feel like, really embodies the character. I like his braid. That goes all the way down to his shoulder. I think a problem with Ewan McGregor in this movie is just how much ADR he has to do. 
Like, I feel like his voice never matches with what he's doing on screen. His hair also changes scene by scene. Did you guys notice that I was talking, I brought this up to Luke earlier, but didn't tell him what I was talking about. Because I was laughing at the movie because it gets poofier because they filmed it out of sequence. And like most movies do, but they didn't keep cutting his hair. So in the beginning of the movie, it'll be poofier than it is when he fights Darth Maul at the end. I'm not sure if you guys noticed that, but it's kind of jarring once you notice it. That's funny. I did not. I didn't. (laughs) And Uh, so we go back to when, right before the droidikins attack, they fight some droids, right? Before that? Before they dash away. And that's one problem I have with all of these prequel movies is the droids are absolutely useless and are not really a threat at all. Like, Obi-Wan even does a little hand motion that seems like he barely uses the force and all of them fall over and die. And having such villains that are easy to beat makes it so much less interesting because there's no real threat when they have to face them. Give me give me a level of uh, danger when you're facing these droids and then give me a level of danger when you're facing stormtroopers in the original trilogy. So I think the point was that they were supposed to be about the same at shooting and poorly shooting. Because that's like the point of stormtroopers, and I think you wanted to encapsulate that the same. But the problem is with robots, how hard is it to program them to aim straight compared to clones that they trained poorly? Roger, Roger. Give give me a level though. Give me a level when you see these guys. I'd say a threat level of two, and stormtroopers is three. Okay, so both both pretty bad. Both pretty bad. I, I would agree with that assessment. <laughs> They're both terrible. But except, it's easier... Go ahead. Except in Revenge of the Sith, when they're killing all the Jedi, they managed to hit their shots then. But anytime Those else... are clone troopers, no. Luke. Those are clone troopers, aren't they? Yeah, but they turn into stormtroopers. Like, they are the stormtroopers, so <laughs> they just become really bad later but 30 on. 30 years of age, that's... Pro- but you can explain it by being... Like, they cloned him after Jango Fett, who might have not been the best shot. Also, the it just, it's not, when they're fighting the droids, it doesn't even look good <laughs> when they're fighting them, I feel. I, I feel like the action scenes in this aren't even good. Like, not even when they fight Darth Maul at the end. Really? I think I think the Darth Maul fight scene has the best lightsaber part in the entire saga. But we'll get yeah. back on that later. I thought that scene was tight. I uh yeah, I'll get back later. I think it was just Qui-Gon's death is I don't like, so then that's why I think it's bad. So let's get to the elephant in the room, Jar Jar Binks. Tony, I want to hear your thoughts on Jar Jar Binks. That leads me into my favorite line of the movie. Actually my second favorite line is Oh, Mui Mui, I love you. What a great line by Jar Jar Binks. I think when you first get introduced to him and the Gungeons, they're kind of fun for like five minutes. And then he just kind of stays around the entire movie and you get tired of it real quick. And you just like, why do they still bring this guy everywhere they go? It's funny to watch it with captions on because... (laughs) <laughs> he doesn't say words, so the captions are pretty funny. Like, there's a Gungan, <laughs> there's also a Gungan later on that says, Yusa in Big Doo Doo, 
And I yes, that, that is funny. my favorite line of the movie. <laughs> Yusa in big doo-doo this time. <laughs> Jar Jar also steps in doo-doo later in the movie. I mean, he's I practically only there throughout the rest of the movie. Pretty much as like a gag factory for kids. Like he's just like, oh, let's make kids laugh at this. And let's make kids laugh at that. Because I don't think he really does anything worthwhile until like the very end and it's like why would you even like bring this guy with you like just have him sit on the ship the entire movie well that was a problem i had was why have obi-wan sit on the ship when everyone wants to see him and instead bring jar jar it's everyone likes obi-wan and even before this movie came out they liked obi-wan from the original trilogy so why have him sit on the ship for the majority of the movie Obi-Wan was sidelined for a lot of this movie, and it was really the Qui-Gon show for a good, what, two-thirds in the middle? It was all Qui-Gon, and then Anakin, and it was not swell, I tell you what. <laughs> I think my problem with Qui-Gon and a lot of these Jedi in, this mo- in these movies is that they never seem to change emotions. So, for example, Qui-Gon is... Like, they're driving away from the Gungan city, right? And, uh... Hold on, let me find it. But this, this was in my emotion. This was in my list of pros. There's always a bigger fish. What a great meme. <laughs> you you said the memes the wouldn't memes. affect your rating. <laughs> so, what I was gonna say is, when they were leaving the Gungan under, underwater city, they never seem a sense of panic, because they're so... Like, the Jedi are so in tune with the Force, they know they're going to get out of it. And I think that lacks character traits that the original trilogy had. So Luke's always afraid. He doesn't know anything. But since these Jedi know everything and are so in tune with the Force, it really lacks character development. Because they're so calm all the time. They're driving away with the bigger fish, like Tony mentioned. And he's completely calm. And he's also just, like, saying to let the the force guide them instead of just like driving and it's just like it's strange if they really let the force guide them because one of his lines to obi-wan was let the force guide you when they're driving away well if the force is that strong why couldn't it just lead them to the sith lords and everything like that it's like the force is used as a cop-out a lot in these prequel movies also you do lack a sense of danger right because they get attacked by a fish. No one's really panicking. That fish gets attacked by a bigger fish. Oh, there's always a bigger fish. Still no danger. They get attacked by another fish. Still no danger. That fish gets attacked by another fish. Also still no danger. So they get saved twice by a bigger fish. And nothing really comes out of it at all. And then, boom. They're like in Naboo and on in the palace and stuff all of a sudden. Well, and that's why Jar Jar is the only one with emotions in this movie. Other than Anakin, whose emotions aren't portrayed super well. But he's super animated because it's kind of a contrast to the Jedi, who's so fucking boring and bland in these movies. And speaking of animated, his animation is horrible. Yeah, it doesn't age well. 1999 was not the time to experiment with a full CGI character the entire movie. It does not look good, especially when... Qui-Gon's running at Jar Jar and Jar Jar gets hooked around him it looks horrible and he's like kind of humanoid like so they could have made him practical probably right I mean that's what they did with Yoda 
in the original trilogy, but George likes CGI. <laughs> but so, Yoda was a puppet. We're saying yeah. like the CGI could have been better. Like actually, I'm not sure what technology they had back then, but he definitely looks better in some shots than other ones, and some of them are just horrendous. I meant like they could have just had a guy in a costume. I mean, it's still a person walking on two legs with two arms. That was actually a con I had with this movie is Jar Jar interacts with a different alien-like creature who's in a costume. So seeing the CGI right next to the costume is super weird because it's like you should have just gone with all the costumes if you're going to have them in the movie anyway. So they're on Naboo now. And, um... Okay, also, another thing. When uh, the uh, Amidala, who's really Padme's decoy but says that the disruptions are down, and that one guy says that, like, block disruptions only means invasion. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, why would that... Why would blocked communications mean only invasion? That doesn't make a lot of sense. Also, is she supposed to be a bad actor while she's the decoy? Because I found her acting as, like, the not-decoy a lot better than when she is playing the quote-unquote decoy. It's very strange because, well, the decoy actually is played by a different actress. It's, um, what's her Kira name? Knightley. Kira Knightley from Pirates of the Caribbean. And I'm not sure why they have whoever is in the queen costume play so fucking bland, but it is hard to watch with the dialogue delivery. And the ADR on her. I think all of her lines are ADR. Oh, yeah, it's horrible. And when they get onto Naboo, that actually gives me one thing I like in this movie. And it is one shot of Naboo because it makes me think of Galactic Assault on Battlefront 2. Luke knows what I'm talking about. Thank you. I respect that. <laughs> I was going to say, watching uh, the effects on Disney Plus is a lot better than watching it on the VHS tape that I had when I was little. They're still not good, but it. <laughs> but part of them reason this movie really takes it out and drags for me in the middle is they decided to make most of the movie take place on Tatooine and Tatooine in the original trilogy was supposed to be this boring place that anybody could relate to Luke as he wanted to get off of it because it was so boring and bland yet the entirety of the middle of the movie takes place there what did you guys think of that did you think it helped it because it was a familiar place or you think it made it made a drag like I did I don't mind it. Yeah. I think if it was just another sandy planet that wasn't Tatooine, it'd make a little bit more sense. Like, we get it, like, Luke's raised on Tatooine because Anakin was. But, like, the differences between them in, like, the trilogy and this prequel trilogy is so different. It's, like, weird. I agree. I, like, they could have done it on any other planet, but... It lasts so long there because of the pod racing, and it's... Ugh. To me, it yeah. seemed more like fan service. They all, everyone knows what Tatooine is, and so it's going to take place there. But it ends up making the movie drag for me because they're not ta it's not taking place on something as cool as the Death Star. It's taking place in this sandy, bland place, and that's the point of it. But don't make us watch the majority of the movie here. And one thing about Tatooine is that Anakin one time mentions that the sandstorms are very, very dangerous and they need to get inside. And this leads to them sitting around the table and talking. 
but with the movie this boring, I would have really liked to see them accidentally get stuck in the sandstorm and see why it was so dangerous instead of them just hiding from it. It just seems like certain things that they mention could lead to a much more enjoyable and action-filled movie, yet they never go through with them. I mean, the sandstorm is like another bigger fish type of thing where it's like, oh, there's a dangerous sandstorm coming and then it really doesn't lead to anything at all. Yes, and I think that's why the pod racing scene is so significant in this and takes an entire nine minutes of the movie. Because almost 10. Almost 10 minutes. Isn't it like 9.30 or something? 9.48. <laughs> I timed it. Uh, but I think we timed it differently. But like when they start their pods and when Anakin uh, gets out of the pod, it lasts 9 minutes and 48 seconds. Oy. Can we talk about the Toydarian who is uh, Luke's, not Luke's, Anakin's master and how he's a Toydarian, so mind tricks don't work on me, only money. Doesn't this seem like a species where if mind tricks don't work on them, that they should be like a lot more prevalent among the Sith and like hired by the Sith? The fact that he can't be mind-controlled is probably the most useful plot device that George Lucas could think of. Uh, <laughs> and I also don't understand how he says, and no one else has a T-14 hyperdrive, I promise you that, and he's some shady seller, and Qui-Gon just believes him, doesn't even look around for a different seller, and it's like, okay, I believe you, shady Toydarian guy that I can't mind-trick. Qui-Gon's a pretty bad jedi if you really think about it he didn't even know that <laughs> padme was the queen the entire time what yeah how do you not <laughs> know that padme is the queen if you're so in tune with the force he can feel it's weird you can only apparently feel people who are in tune with the force like anakin is but also qui-gon doesn't even try to convince the guy to let anakin's mom also be freed he says no 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 pod is worth or no ship is worth two slaves and i think that doesn't that logic doesn't make any sense <laughs> from the part no, it was alone, the pod yeah it was the pod it was the pod yeah or no qui-gon said he'll give him his ship like the ship they came on not the pod i'm pretty sure no 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 the ship was the for like the original bit and then for anakin was the pod oh right okay but he said that Okay, so I guess that makes a little bit more sense, but Qui-Gon still didn't even try to convince him to let Anakin's mom. He was just like, ah, whatever, I just need the kid. No, no, he didn't. Also, like, can you not convert 20,000 Republican credits anywhere on Tatooine? Yeah, there's a lot of convenient plot devices, and the way George wrote it, that ends up having a lot of plot holes. And were you going to say something? I was going to say, when we get the ship fixed can we go to a planet that accepts republican credits and then go back for his mama is that so hard to do or just steal his mom slavery is bad like i don't understand why he can't just take over like it doesn't make any sense to me also Ana anakin's mom is so worried about anakin but she let him pod race earlier in his life and people straight up explode while they do that <laughs> and get shot at by tuscan raiders there's so, so many deaths <laughs> during the pod yeah. racing scene. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know why she let him do it in the first place. <laughs> I love that they watch him pod race on an iPad. How is that being so recorded? That's so beautiful. How is beautiful. that getting recorded? Like, <laughs> who's following him with a camera? And there is a joke before the pod race with Jar Jar that I thought was not... <laughs> it seemed like they did two different shots of the same joke and then added both of them. So Jar Jar gets his hand stuck in Anakin's pod, right? C-3PO says, I find that creature very odd. And then not one minute later, R2-D2 beeps. C-3PO comes around and says, you're quite right. He's very odd indeed. So it seemed like they wanted one of them to have the joke about him, about Jar Jar being odd, filmed both of them, and then accidentally put them both in the movie. Yeah, you could just cut out that entire joke scene, though, because it was horrible. Another problem I have with this movie, and this was before the pod race, was that Qui-Gon Jinn takes Anakin's midichlorian count and tells the audience that he is in tune with the Force. But wouldn't you rather just see that as an audience member instead of it getting told to you? We know he's going to become Darth Vader. We already know this. Yeah, we don't really... We don't even really see, like, anything with him having to do with the Force throughout the rest of the movie, either. He's just smart with how he builds pods. And he can pod race. And he can (laughs) pod race. But during, like, the pod racing scene, it's not like he, like, sees something in the Force and then he reacts to it. It's, like, just, like, him being a good pod racer. That was, there's one moment that it seems like Anakin is in tune with the Force, and it is probably my favorite three seconds of the movie, because they land on Coruscant, and and we'll come back to the Padres, but they land on Coruscant, and Anakin gets off the ship and is walking ahead of Qui-Gon, and Qui-Gon mentions something behind Anakin about him, and Anakin turns around even though he wasn't in listening distance, so it's kind of like he knew Qui-Gon was talking about him. Because he turned around really fast and almost angry. Like, what did he say? Even though he couldn't hear him. And Qui-Gon told him to keep going. And that was like one, the only time this movie subtle with showing that he has any sort of force sensitivity. Yeah, and then later on when the council, the Jedi council is testing him, they're like holding an iPad with an image. And then he's like saying what image it is without looking at the iPad. And then it's like, was he really able to do this this entire time? Yeah, it's really just throwing it at you. Like, So, not to say these sequels are the best example, but how Rey becomes in tune with the Force when, you know, you're not sure when you first watch The Force Awakens if it's going to be Rey or Finn, who's Force-sensitive, and Rey gradually does it. I think that would have been a much better way to do Anakin and not tell us his midichlorian count and then show us on another iPad that he can see the image behind it. Also, he and doesn't even uh, Go ahead. use the force uh, when he's fighting at the end and saves the day. He does everything by accident, just like Jar Jar. Yeah, and it's like he can tell what image is on the iPad, but he couldn't see, like, sense that Sebulba was messing with his pod racer. Speaking of Sebulba and Darth Maul being in there for too short, the fight scene between Darth Maul and Qui-Gon when they're leaving Tatooine last like a minute maybe <laughs> and that's like the only action we get for the first hour and a half almost i mean like when they're on tattooing i don't know i found that pretty dumb i'm actually okay with the short scene lightsaber scene there because they have one later in the movie so i'm fine with it kind of like ooh, look at especially think about it in 99 
when you first watch this movie, it's like, oh, look look what we could do. It's going to look really nice. And I think it was a way to excite the audience for what was to come. So I'm actually okay with it doing that because we already had a pointless pod racing scene that took nine and a half minutes of our lives. I think it also sets up the best scene in the movie, though, because you only see him fight with one side of his lightsaber, right? When he's fighting Qui-Gon in that scene. So, like, you just think, oh, yeah, he just has a red lightsaber. But then that sets it up so that when he's introduced again later and it's a double-sided lightsaber, that's, like, the real, like, oh, my God part. Why didn't he just use the double lightsaber when he's fighting Qui-Gon? To set up the later part in the movie, <laughs> You just Luke? don't get it, do you? Got it. I see. One, <laughs> one more thing I wanted to mention about the pod race scene. I know we keep coming back to it, but it is, you know, a big part of this movie that everyone talks about. I just love how the Tusken Raiders are shooting at them, trying to kill them. I think that is so silly, but also hilarious. Hey, Anakin gets his revenge. I tell you that. Ooh, that is true. That is true. I'll tell you one thing that bothered me about the pod racing is one of the racers called Odie Mandrell. So the interesting thing about him in this race is he has a record-setting pit droid team. But when he goes to get his pod racer, like, fixed by the pit droid team, one of them walks into it and destroys the entire thing. How are they a record-setting pit droid team, yet they destroy his pod racer? It was a... It was for comedic purposes, Tony. You just do you don't not understand? get it, do you? <laughs> <laughs> do you not understand how George writes movies? Oh, so bad. I also somewhat like the point of view shots during the pod race when they're going through the rocks. Because you get so accustomed to seeing the side of them and them always turning left that I actually like the point of view shots where, you know... Where you could see the little lightning bolt between the electrical shock. I actually like those shots. I agree. I think like the directing of the pod racing isn't bad. I just think it lasts forever. I think those scenes are cool, but it really shows its age when we're watching it now. I like to add one of my favorite lines in this movie is uh, Kitster, which is Anakin's friend, like his human friend. When he's like, showing him his pod racer and he says this is so wizard annie that kid also is so sassy when he talks to padme later on padme's like uh what's anakin gonna do for the first time and he's like finish the race of course and i it's very funny (laughs) it's so hilarious which also leads me to like this weird thing on tatooine where we're walking through the market, and like most of Tatooine, we just see like a bunch of different aliens, right? And then it comes to Anakin's friends, and there's like mostly humans. And then we go to the audience for the pod racing race, and it's like almost all humans. It's like they couldn't get enough costumes to fill it out with these different type of aliens, because like everywhere else on the planet, there's mostly aliens, and then all the in the audience, it's just like mostly humans. What I thought was funny about the humans is that the announcers during the pod race call Anakin a human being, and I think that takes, which, you know, he is, but I think it takes away from the universe a little bit. You know, without having to call him a human being, does that make any sense that in this universe, I'd rather them not call them human beings? Because in this universe, they could just technically be some human-like alien, right? 
Exactly. Like, they don't have to be humans at all. I mean, humans might... Well, I guess humans will eventually exist in this universe because it's uh, in a galaxy far, far away a long, long time ago. But it's like, you don't actually have to specifically say these are humans and these aren't humans and stuff because they could all just be ambiguous with what species they're trying to interject into the series. Definitely. I think that takes me out of the movie a little bit. Hearing human being just seems kind of silly in this universe. And... uh most of our main characters are human beings, so then it makes you wonder <laughs> uh, why are, like, most humans Jedi, but we don't get to see all the other species be Jedi. You know what I mean? It is very strange. Do you guys have anything else about the pod racing scene? Um, I do not. I think I said what I had to say. Tony? Yeah, I don't have I don't have anything else about the pod racing scene, except I think something about the like in the pod racing scene, things go wrong and you see Anakin flip a bunch of switches and you see this little diagram and it shows it what's broken. Oh, and he fixed it and stuff like that. I felt like a lot of that doesn't really mean anything to me at all. Like I don't understand how this pod racer works at all. So you don't really have to show all of these things about him fixing it to get me to understand, oh, he's doing a lot to get it fixed now, and oh, it's fixed. I agree. He's one with the Force. That's why. <laughs> I also thought it was so, like strange because Anakin doesn't use the Force during the pod race whatsoever, right? But he somehow, for 34 seconds, has his pod off when everyone's getting ahead. How does he catch up? He must be very good at making a pod that's extremely fast or everyone else sucks at it. Because without using the force, he catches up fairly easily. He catches up. He catches up right before like the first lap even finishes. And then for like the second and third lap, he's neck and neck at the front. So it's really weird how it all works. Why couldn't he just pass him? Yeah, it definitely was not planned out beforehand for sure. So, if you guys are good with it, I will jump to when Anakin is in front of the Jedi Council, because I have some thoughts about this. I do have, I do have one thing. Okay, go ahead. And it's one joke that, like, kind of works, and it kind of doesn't, is Anakin introduces us to C-3PO, and he's building him, right? And C-3PO already has one eye in, and one eye is out. Anakin wakes up C-3PO, and then he's like, where is everybody? I can't see anything, right? And then Anakin's like, oh, here you go, C-3PO, and puts in his second eye, and he's like, oh, now I can see everything. Although he already had one eye in. Yeah. <laughs> and also, R2-D2 says he's naked. What did you guys think about that joke? Uh, yeah. I kind of hate that <laughs> both of them are even in the prequel trilogy, to be honest. And I think a lot of minor details like that and silly jokes take away from their characters in the original trilogy. I think the way R2-D2 was introduced was makes you think it's almost only by chance that he's the one that gets chosen, right? Because a whole bunch of droids go out onto the ship to start fixing the shields. And then three of them get blasted off and R2-D2 is the final one who doesn't get blasted off and fixes the shields. But it's like... It makes you think that maybe if he got blasted off first, we'd have just some other random droid that is the one that fixes the shield and is the one that we see in the original trilogy. And it kind of, like, cheapens it a bit. Like, it takes away from his character. We also find out in Revenge of the Sith that their minds got erased, so they don't remember who Darth Vader is. And I think... 
that that is the dumbest cop-out of all time just to have those two characters, these fan service characters, in this prequel trilogy because then their mind just gets erased. And I think that is the dumbest, one of the dumbest parts of these movies. I Yeah, I don't think they should have been in it in general. I also think it's kind of weird that Anakin built C-3PO. I don't know why it feels weird to me, but... I like. I would have just liked their story starting out in A New Hope. I agree with that. Now you have your thoughts about the <laughs> the meeting with the Jedi Council. Oh, the Jedi Council. Okay. So, as we see on the Disney Plus version, there is CGI Yoda, who is a lot better than the Phantom Menace original puppet Yoda, who didn't look anything like the original trilogy Yoda. So, I'm fine with him getting CGI'd, but what I also noticed, and Luke only noticed this because I pointed out to him, that behind Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, there is another Yoda-like creature. I saw that too, With and hair. I didn't know I didn't know if that was supposed <laughs> to be a thing. That was the first time I've ever noticed it, and it makes me sick. Because I think it takes so much away from Yoda's uniqueness and how strange it was that a creature like this would be a jedi in the original trilogy when another one is on the jedi council that only has like 12 members that sit there and you never see him again he also is has this hair. character is this character in any <laughs> other star wars thing no. not that i know of <laughs> like not in the clone wars not in any of the extended universe things it's well, just some yeah. random yoda lookalike in this one scene because uh, Mandalorian, the thing with uh, Baby Yoda, Grogu, is that it, it was, oh, it's another Yoda, and I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was supposed to be it's super weird. unique in with a Baby Yoda because there's only been one, but we see one in the council, and I think that just takes so much away. We know that there's a species of Yodas because Yoda's a thing, but we don't need to see them. We... I don't want any of the other ones to be Jedi's. It takes away from Yoda's uniqueness. And uh, this character's name I found out is Yaddle. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and it is a female. Oh, oh, okay. Oh. oh, wait. Maybe this works. Maybe Yaddle and Yoda had the baby, and it's baby Yoda. Okay. All right. I'll take you back. <laughs> there, right, there's true. my theory. All right, good theory. Um, another part of the Jedi Council, which I want to hear your guys' thoughts on, is the character of Mace Windu. Um, He doesn't really get, like, any <laughs> development or screen time in this movie. Yeah, so, so that's why I was going to say he's fine, because he's not even yeah. really in it at all. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think it's worse that he has less screen time because I think this movie severely lacks diversity. And the only we only see two African-American characters, which are Mace Windu and um, the pilot that was helping them out. What was that guy? I oh, don't he's know like his the name, captain for, like right. Naboo, yeah. for like Naboo, like uh, Padme's. Right, but they are two very, very side characters. And Jar Jar Binks is played by a african-american actor but we never see him so the whole cast seems like whitewashed until we see these two side characters and i think like every single person is white padme anakin obi-wan qui-gon 
And then we have Jar Jar, who's an alien creature. And I think that they should have had a more diverse cast, more like what the sequels did with the casting for it. I think that would have, you know, <laughs> I just think it was almost all white people in it. And I didn't like it that much. I mean, and just like a world development thing, too, it would also just like help build like the world a little bit better right because we see a lot of aliens and then the only humans we see are white so it's like having a more diverse cast kind of adds to this like mysticness of the universe that it's like really diverse there's a bunch of species there's a bunch of different type of humans there's a bunch of different type of aliens and it just add to that it seems like that happens with the whole prequel trilogy huh like i don't know I think I, it's a I problem agree. with the original trilogy and as original. well because yeah. and because when Lando's introduced, he's one of the only African American um, actors that we see in the entire original trilogy. But it coming out in the seventies, George Lucas had a lot of room to grow and to realize his mistakes and to hire a more diverse cast. Yet he didn't, and I don't know if there is any bias there or if. It was trying to be like the original trilogy, but I would have liked to see a much more diverse main cast in this movie. I think that's I like agree. one of the one things the sequel does get right is the cast is a lot more diverse. You like more, you feel like it's a better universe building when it's like a diverse cast. I mean, we're talking about like the entire universe, right? It can't only be white people out in space. And then, um, is this is it directly after the? Jedi Council that they talk about the midichlorians where they explain what they are I'm not sure but you can go ahead anyway with it okay um midichlorians are these tiny life forms in your cells that like connect you with life and then people with strong counts of midichlorians become Jedi because they're one with the force and that just takes away from the original trilogy because then it's like Oh, yeah, because Darth Vader's his dad, his dad had a high midichlorian count, then he gave it to Luke. And that's why Leia also has, is like, one with the Force also. I think it's pretty dumb. It's much better when random people be can become in tune with the Force, just because, for no reason. And midichlorians, I think, it almost makes it seem like George Lucas doesn't understand Star Wars as much as everyone else does because he didn't even help as much he didn't even work on empire or um return of the jedi he worked on the first one and then was not was pretty sidelined for those two and then got all three movies and i think he severely over explained things yeah and i, I think empire is the best one too <laughs> and he had less yeah to he do had with that. i think he had the least amount to do with that before the sequels also, yeah. they say that uh, midichlorians live inside humans, and it's a symbiotic relationship, but they never explain what humans do for midichlorians. It's also implied later that Palpatine sent the midichlorians to Anakin's mom, and this is a later movie. They imply this, and I think that makes it even worse because he's evil because of Palpatine, and then it becomes the Palpatine show and not the Darth Vader show. The only reason Darth Vader's bad is because of Palpatine, and it just makes me sick to my stomach thinking about it. Pretty, uh, it makes me ill, huh? <laughs> I don't know. It's really bad. I, I know Anakin was supposed to be, like, 
Jesus, like Tony said in the summary, because he was immaculately conceived. But to make Palpatine his dad <laughs> is weird. Also, just alluding to this e- person who will become the evil, <laughs> the evil, the head of the evil empire of the world, making him like Jesus is just strange to me. Yeah, I didn't really understand it, but you know. I also thought it was weird that Anakin, they say, is too old to start training. But this kid seems pretty damn young to me, and I don't understand why it would be too he would be too old to start training when he's so in tune with the force that wouldn't they want to train him so then he doesn't get influenced by the Sith? Like why wouldn't they want to train him? I think Star Wars, like the prequels and the sequels have this like weird thing about training people and wanting them to not go to the dark side but they do anyways and it's just so strange yeah i think it's very weird that they know how strong he is and he's supposed to bring balance to the force but they don't want to train him and he's too old it's just strange to me and there's another part later on in the movie that i want to mention right now is that yoda says it's the power of two or the rule of two i mean that there can only be two Sith of all time. Like, there's always an apprentice and a master. And I think that is so silly, and it limits this entire saga, because you don't need more than two Sith in the original trilogy, because only Luke is trying to fight. It's really Luke versus Darth Vader, and then the Emperor is influencing Darth Vader, right? But with so many Jedis in this prequel trilogy and we see them all in action we only really see them fight droids and stuff like that because of the rule of two and i think that limits how much they can do with it i think it's kind of silly i agree but this is this like not circumvented through something like extended universe things because like clone wars there's like dooku and his apprentice right doesn't he also have one while still being the apprentice of palpatine yeah, um, apparently the guys who created Clone Wars didn't really like the prequel series and they wanted to make it better by doing their own storyline. So that might be why. But I like it a lot more when there's more Sith if there's more Jedi. Also, yeah, why? it's so weird. Why is the Sith... Did they come up with that rule? <laughs> to just have a Master and Apprentice? It's very strange that everyone can have the Force, but if there is... <laughs> you have all these Jedi... But if there are already two Sith, then no one can be influenced by the dark side? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. It seems like a thing that George Lucas came up with to, like, tie to how there's only two Sith in the original trilogy. And then he just kind of made it a rule for the rest of the universe. And maybe, like, something in the extended universe explains it a bit. But it seems like something that the extended universe had to, like, take care of just because George Lucas came up with it. Oh, for sure. And I think I'm going to skip right past the part where they impeach the Chancellor and elect Palpatine because that is severely boring. And I was just going to go straight into the last fight unless you guys had anything It's else not even talk. really explained either. It's just like, I nope. vote for no confidence <laughs> with this Chancellor. And then I was like, oh my goodness, she voted no confidence. And then all of a sudden you're able to vote for a new Chancellor. It just seemed weird, rushed, not explained. One cool thing, the char- the creatures from the E.T. 
universe are there at the Senate meeting. That's the only cool thing. <laughs> the dialogue is, like, too much. And it just doesn't feel like a Star Wars movie. The whole movie doesn't, but especially when you get to that. And I think that's why it doesn't feel like a Star Wars movie at all. And that brings me to my the biggest flaw in the final battle for me was that they kept intercutting Darth Maul's fight with the two Jedi with Anakin, Padme, and Jar Jar Binks. There was so much going on in the final battle. There are four different things happening that they were cutting to when we really only care about one of them. I have a question. If they're so concerned with Padme's safety that she uses a decoy, why does she go to the battle with them? Why did they bring Anakin a child with them, too? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I was very confused why he was with them. He like, runs he's a into, child. He runs into the battlegrounds, and then he tells them to stay in the cockpit. Why didn't he just stay in the <laughs> ship that they came in? Uh, <laughs> but that does lead to Darth Maul's introduction, the scene where he pulls out both sides of his lightsaber, and Duel of the Fates is playing probably... My favorite score from any was, of the Star Wars movies. Yeah, I agree. Like you, yeah. like John Williams really killed it in this movie. Practically kills it in every movie he does, right? But that's like the best scene in the movie. It's like a super iconic scene from the prequels, and it gets undercutted by the like because you're only interested in this battle, and then it gets undercutted by those other scenes that you were talking about. I agree. I was going to say the score in this movie is definitely the best part because John Williams is a legend. Um, but I also wanted to say that Anakin, when he's fighting uh, in space, he literally has to say this is tense in order to create yeah, for the us tension to of know the scene. that it's tense. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but we get such a great scene where he says, now this is pod racing. Man, I feel yeah. bad for that kid because he had yeah. nothing to work with. You know, I don't actually hold any... His acting wasn't good, but you can't really hold it against him with this... With George Lucas's dialogue. I don't think it was, like, that bad, though, either. Because, like, it yeah. ended up, like... He ended up getting, like, a bunch of death threats and stuff like that. And then his career, like, faded away because of it. And he didn't want to be an actor anymore or something. Something along those lines. And I felt really bad for, like, that actor being, like, thrown into this in that way but i didn't even think he did like bad enough to like receive death threats and stuff like that i don't even understand why they started the first movie with anakin so young they should have started him with the age he was in attack of the clones already being swayed by the dark side we don't care about this nine-year-old who never shows that he's even in tune with the force yeah i honestly didn't think his acting was that bad especially for how young he was I like think his some lines of, were bad. But. Yeah, I think some of his line delivery is bad, but that's with every single character in this because the dialogue is so atrocious. Yeah, and like starting him so young too, it's like kind of weird because you know he ends up with Padme. It like yeah, there's a lot of it's such a strange thing to like be and like there's like scenes where like he flirts with her or like like kind of like insinuating scenes, and it's just weird to see in this movie. Are you an angel? I think There's it's <laughs> so weird that she likes him. It's like so inappropriate, it seems like, in this movie. And then they seem more like closer in age. But we already know that he was like a child when they met. So it's so weird that they, she is the love interest, you know? 
Yeah, and it's like she's only five years older than him, right? So when he's like eighteen and she's twenty three, it works better. Like I don't know what he age he is in uh the later movies, but I'm just saying like eighteen and twenty three work better, but nine and fourteen don't work at all. Yeah, it's pretty gross that she had a thing for him because she you can see she gives him eyes sometimes and it's weird. Um, and if we can go back to John Williams' score real quick, I think especially Duel of the Fates pops off, but I thought it was a very strange choice to not play any music when Qui-Gon dies, and I think it makes it extremely unsatisfying when he actually gets killed. I I just think I, it wasn't climactic at all. It just kind of happened. Because <laughs> well, he, he gets hit in the face <laughs> and then he stabs him. But he kind of gets hit in the face slowly. It doesn't seem... He seemed like he had time to, like, react. Dash and away. There, yeah, dash away. And there was no music playing. And it just seemed weird after there was, like, a cool fight scene between them. And I... Yeah. The whole reason that Obi-Wan couldn't get there to help him is he gets, like, stopped by, like, the laser wall, right? But, like, we've seen him move fast in the past, and he's just running normally. And, it like, he can't make it in time. So it's just so strange. Definitely a plot hole that doesn't make any sense in this movie. One scene I actually liked about the barriers, if they can't dash in like through them, I like that Qui-Gon starts meditating. And Obi-Wan pulls out his lightsaber right before the barriers come out. Not by timing it, just knowing by force. And I thought that those two things were kind of cool, but they should have never been in that situation in the first place if they have that ability to dash super quick i agree i liked that he meditated um but (laughs) again he has no emotion i think that kind of adds to it he's supposed to be like one with the force that he can do that so when his death doesn't make me feel anything it was just like oh liam neeson's dead now (laughs) well it's also like not much character development for him or Darth Maul and they like both end up dying except you know not really Darth Maul but it's like they both end up dying in that scene and you really don't care for either like on an emotional basis because you don't really know any of these people yeah if Qui-Gon had some queer (laughs) well if Qui-Gon had some character traits throughout the movie and he showed a lot of emotion and it's just this character that everyone can relate to, then you'd feel a lot more emotion when he dies. But I felt absolutely nothing because it's just, he acts like Liam Neeson to me and he doesn't, you know, have any emotion because he's so in tune with the Force and a Jedi Master. And I think that makes it super unsatisfying seeing someone die. You don't have that emotional impact. And he's just kind of a dick the entire movie. He doesn't even try to get Anakin's mom out of slavery. I can't get over that. He didn't even try to convince him. I feel like his yeah. role throughout this entire movie is just to like kind of obsess about Anakin and how many midichlorians he has. But he doesn't like show Obi-Wan any love and he doesn't really do anything really spectacular. So when he dies, it's not really that bad of a death. And if you compare his character to like Obi-Wan... You kind of see Obi-Wan grow up and do all these different things and have emotional attachments to things. And it like he ends up just being a like a well-written character compared to Qui-Gon. I definitely agree. And after Qui-Gon dies, I think the best fight scene is between only Obi-Wan and 
um, Darth Maul. I think the choreography yeah. is the best in that scene when they're just going one on one right there. What did you guys think of that? Yeah, I I like that because it was the double lightsaber versus the single lightsaber. Just well, why didn't he use that on Tatooine <laughs> when he was fighting Qui Gon? Because it was a reveal, Luke. But you also know that obi-wan liked qui-gon even if we didn't see it all that much throughout the movie so when he's yelling you can tell that he's emotional during the fight scene and i think that's why it makes it the best because you can tell he's very angry at what just happened and it's the first time any one of these characters has actually shown emotion other than padme kind of liking this child i think uh what did you think of darth maul dying slash not dying I think it's funny that he did not get cut in half in the original. He <laughs> no, fell he down. <laughs> he fell down, and he was intact. And George Lucas re-edited it to put his legs falling off to ensure he was dead. And then the Clone Wars bring him back anyway. I think that's fucking hilarious. But <laughs> I think it's like another thing where the extended universe fixes a thing that George Lucas made a mistake about, because. Darth Maul, we didn't know anything about him, and the only reason we like him is because he's cool looking and he has two like a two-sided lightsaber and he was introduced with Duel of the Fates. That's really the only reason we really care about him at all. And then the extended universe comes in and gives him more character, brings him in the Clone Wars, and then his character does really well in the Clone Wars, but it's like he's just completely mishandled by George Lucas in these prequels. Oh, for sure. I think he should have been the main villain of all three movies, with maybe Palpatine pulling the strings like he did in the original, and I think that would be a lot more interesting. But then after he dies, we get Dooku in the next one, who sucks. I was sucks. just about to say, <laughs> that they chose Count Dooku over Maul. I mean, we could have yeah. also had a dynamic where he's playing both Dooku and Maul, and they don't know about each other, or something along those lines. You could get like pretty like weird or creative with how Palpatine like interacts with these two apprentices but instead Darth Maul is killed before we even really know much about him he's also just the most unique character we've seen at, at least in regards to Sith or Jedi and they just kill him off and he gets like two lines the entire movie and it's you feel disappointed more disappointed that he dies than when Qui-Gon dies yeah because he had a lot of potential which is like this potential is like seen throughout clone wars but he had a lot of potential in these movies and it just was never seen for sure and i liked how luke mentioned earlier that anakin didn't use the force he accidentally blew up the control ship by accident which i thought was extremely stupid i i mean jar jar and him both do it by accident to end the movie well, and that's another thing I hated was that you blow up the control center, all the droids turn off. And I think that is a huge cop-out that a lot of movies do. Like, they're getting overwhelmed, but they all turn off for some reason. And it makes it, makes it so much less satisfying that they're actually fighting because you can just turn them all off. So when characters start getting overwhelmed, it doesn't even really matter. And with Jar Jar and the Gungans, it doesn't even feel like they're, like, overwhelmed or anything. Like, they're just, like, talking, and then Jar Jar makes a joke or something while they have to surrender. Like, that's it. Like, there's no tension at all. 
that also has to be one of the worst looking fight scenes I have ever seen. It was literally Gungans versus droids, and I thought it looked terrible and totally took out of the movie, especially when you're intercutting it between Darth Maul and then going to the CGI fest. Especially when you have, like, the jokey parts with Jar Jar Binks, where, like, oh, there's a dead droid stuck to his foot, and he's, like, stomping, and it shoots these other droids and stuff like that. It's like, oh, come on. Yeah, and then you cut to Anakin having horrible dialogue, too, so... And I don't. And then Padme is Padme is the least stupid storyline that they keep cutting to. But she shouldn't even be out there because she's the queen. It's just strange. It, it totally should have just been Qui Gon Jinn and Obi Wan versus Darth Maul to end it, and not intercutting all of these different storylines. Um, does that take us to uh, the end of the movie, where they say peace? <laughs> I think so, and it has to be the worst ending out of any Star Wars movie. <laughs> what do you think? Time. What do you think about little Anakin Skywalker with a rat tail, just like Obi-Wan now? I hate the fact that they all have to have rat tails anyway. It's just strange. <laughs> uh, why, why is that such a big deal? Why do they have to have, like, longer hair if they're a master in little rat tails with a ponytail in the back when they're apprentices? It's just a strange, like, costume choice. It's a strange costume choice, especially when we know, like, Oh, if they're a different species other than humans, it's just, like, nothing really, like, they don't have to do anything special. But, yeah, back to Luke's point about the the ending, where he holds up, what, the ball, the glass ball, and yells, peace. Peace. I also don't like the music <laughs> in that part. I, I don't uh, know why. I, I think it's because I'm watching some horrible shit going on, but it's like, they're trying to end it like A New Hope ended, and by having them all together and, you know... I just hated it. I thought it was so stupid. Yelling peace right before two other movies about war, too, is just strange. Yeah, exactly. It also <laughs> make like, the guy's design is also bad, because it's just bad CGI. This looks not right. Also, the Gungans, whenever they get angry or something, they'll, like, flap their lips. That's oh, yeah, a- that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so great, so great. That's in my pros list. That's in my pros list. All right, I think that ends it. Do you guys have any hit picks or nitpicks? Well, I think this entire review was a nitpick for me. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, agree. I have one other nitpick before I get into my hit pick, but... My one other nitpick was I just can't stand to look at Padme or the fake queen's hair. It is so distracting, and I think <laughs> I think the costume design is just bad. Also, one I, I just remembered one other nitpick was that whenever they're in the ship in the beginning, and like whenever they're flying, it looks like a Star Trek show from the nineties. Oh, the costume design yeah. and the look in the ship just looks like Star mm-hmm. Trek to me. And the way they act, strange. yeah, it's very like. He took off of that after he saw Star Trek Enterprise or some shit like that. And then it looks like that to me, and it's very weird. Nitpick, nitpick, I have one. When uh, the horse alien thing at the pod race farts, and then Jar Jar Binks says, Piusa. <laughs> you didn't like that? That's a hit pick. <laughs> I think yeah. it's like... It's strange just, timing, too, for a just joke. Lump, just lump all those like childish jokes into one big nitpick. And the fact that it was right before the pod race that they're setting up for so long in this movie, and then you have a fart joke, 
It's so strange. It it doesn't make any sense to me. Yusa and Big Doodoo. Always remember that. That's a hit pick. That's a that's a <laughs> that's strong hit number pick. one hit pick. That's number one <laughs> hit pick. All right, what was your other hit pick? My one other hit pick was that I kind of liked the way Coruscant looked in from the outside view of the planet. With really, the, that I like, would be almost so one of my nitpicks. I like when you see the planet from the ship view when they're up in space. Oh, with, okay, okay. That's what I'm talking about. However, they show Coruscant when they're just talking. And it looks horrible. So I like it from the space view. But when you're on it, it is just a CGI fest that looks terrible. It's just a CGI fest of like a million skyscrapers that looks horrible. The entire planet is one big city. How did they do that? Yeah, that's strange. And what's going on at the bottom of Coruscant? <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah, I know. The streets have to be horrible. <laughs> yeah, I like the way it looked from the space view, though. Like, with all the lights and everything. I thought it looked great, and then you go in, and then it just gets ruined. You know, my one hit pick is just kind of ruined once you actually see the planet from their perspective. I have that's, another like nitpick, <laughs> is when Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan go out on the balcony and they're looking over Coruscant, and it's sunset, and there's a whole bunch of spaceships flying around. It looks horrible. The CGI <laughs> looks absolutely horrible. I, like, can't believe this is, like, a real place because it just all looks so bad. And it's, like, a bunch of reused assets and stuff, and it's, like, that's gross. They it talk only ab- gets worse Yeah, Attack the Clones. Exactly. <laughs> I was about to say that, Luke, that... All the actors complained that they were only acting in front of blue and green screens the entire time in the sequels. So even though I hate how boring it is that they're on Tatooine, it's better that it's a real environment for once. Yeah, for sure. Any other thoughts? I think that about wraps (laughs) my view of this movie. Strong 6 out of 10. 3.4 Mises. If you're watching it as a... If you're watching it as a prequel <laughs> memer, you'll probably enjoy it. This That's one has true. the That's least true. amount of prequel memes from it, though. So definitely I'll agree. Revenge but of the Sith here, is the best Here's one for, for uh, you uh, prequel memers. There was, there's always a bigger fish. The negotiations were short. A surprise to be sure, but a welcomed one. Now this is pod racing, and we will watch your career with great interest. Fantastic memes. All right, we have um, actually a segment I got the idea from Matt Beef, my older brother, which was, did Tony fall asleep during this movie? Oh, that's good. I did not. I did not. Okay, well, we're going to ask everyone. Wasn't wasn't even tempted. (laughs) Wasn't even tempted with this one. You're not even tempted with this, but you'll fall asleep during Spider-Verse. Ooh. Ah. Uh, different <laughs> okay, story, different story. Theater different experience, story. theater experience, okay. All right, we have one more segment to go, and I'm going to give these two chamboys some hints for my next movie for next week. And what I'm going to do is I'm uh, going to say five hints, and after every one, they're going to guess. And these hints are very obscure, and they probably won't get it. They might with this, but that's how we're going to do it. So, you guys ready for the first hint? All right, let's roll on with the hint (laughs) segment. All five of my hints are one word, so it might be kind of difficult. But my first hint is married. A marriage story. No. Cars. No. (laughs) Ooh, that's a good choice. That's a good choice, Luke. My second hint is Hawkeye. 
The Born Legacy. No. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> Tony? It has to do with Jeremy Renner. That's his name? That's, That's his correct. name. Yeah. Jeremy <laughs> Renner, and he's married. Uh, but is the it Avengers. Jeremy No. Is it Jeremy Renner, though? Oh. Hawkeye <laughs> from MASH? It's not. Okay, never mind. <laughs> it's just a hint, guys. Uh, hint three, short. What kind of hit is that? The Hunger Games. <laughs> We're watching The Hunger Games. No, we are not. Jeremy Renner married and is short? It's not. No, the hint is Hawkeye, not Jeremy Renner. Uh, Justice League. No. The fourth one is Jabberwocky. So Jabberwocky? this guy dances. Luke, this guy will dance. Dance. He'll shoot arrows, and he's uh-huh. married. Oh. Wait, which one is the hint I'm missing? Short? No, I said he's short. It's Jabberwocky, dances, short, shoots, Hawkeye, arrows. married. I still have one more hint. Married. He's married. Okay. Is he married, or is that like... It's a hint, Luke. Else. I'm not allowed to tell you. <laughs> Let's see. Married, short, dancer, but he shoots arrows. Dancing with the stars. No, good guess. R- Robin Hood men in tights. <laughs> good guess. My last one is quiet. Uh... <laughs> Baby driver final guess. No. Oh, that's a good guess. Luke? Uh, A quiet place. <laughs> no <laughs> it's hush hush they are the actress is married to the director in real life there is a part with a crossbow which is hawkeye oh, the movie uh, is <laughs> extremely short it's an hour 22 he it's wears a jabberwocky mask and it oh. is a very quiet movie because she has 15 minutes of dialogue that's Ooh, good that's good that's pretty good that's and pretty i felt good. that hush. we should do hush because it is a nice <laughs> this movie was two hours 15 and hush is an hour 22 and i felt like it'd be a good movie to watch this week so if you guys want to watch along hush is on netflix and we will be talking about that next week luke roll us out and that was tonight's watch good again goodbye bye